Welcome to the Colts Reunion Podcast, a conversation with former Colts players. A look back at their career, what they're up to now, and how the Colts played a positive role in their lives. Welcome to another Colts Reunion Podcast. Thanks for joining in today. I'm Matt Taylor with Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. And the Ring of Honor is the theme of today's podcast because our guest today is also a Ring of Honor member, seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro player, and one of the best offensive linemen in Colts history. Chris Hinton is with us today. He played for the Colts from 1983 to 1989, finished out his career with the Falcons and the Vikings. He was drafted fourth overall in 1983 and got a front-row seat to the Colts' move to Indianapolis in 1984. Chris, thanks so much for the time today. How are you? Matt, Bill, um, I'm great. Thanks for having me, and uh, look forward to – Looking forward to talking a little bit about the Colts. Yeah, let's go down memory lane a little bit and, and talk about your greatness. But uh, before we do that, let's talk about you. What are you up to these days? And, uh, you know, what's a, what's a normal you know day in the life, if you will, of uh, former Colt great Chris Hinton? Wow, that's a, that's a easy question to, to answer. I'm, <laughs> after um, um, basically I'm retired um, – after nearly 20 years being in the wine, beer, and liquor business, um, had two stores here in Atlanta, and uh, uh, my wife and I live here in Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta. And um, uh, basically, um, I'm, I feel like I'm healthier than than ever before mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm I'm walking and I got time to to get get things done. So life is good. Chris, you uh. Now you you left out there, you know you, you talked about your wife, but you you have a couple of sons as well, and I uh, want to ask you about one of your sons that played at University of Michigan uh, with Jim Harbaugh. Now, how was that as as a dad that played in the National Football League, had a son that played for the University of Michigan and 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 did a good job at Michigan? How was that as a dad watching your son play football at a big time football school? Oh, it was um, it was very gratifying, um, actually. Um, his first game, um, Christopher, um, our son's name, um, his first game at Michigan was um, almost exactly 40 years after my first college game at Michigan. Uh, I played at Northwestern. Right, right. And so it was, it was kind of, it was pretty cool to see him out there and, and to watch him progress and, and as a football player and, and also as a, as a young man. So um, we're, we're thankful for um University of Michigan, and um, and thank you for, for Coach Harbaugh, who does a great job building building um, young men. So um, we're thankful for the experience, and, and it was it was pleasurable. And I mean, as as a parent, you couldn't ask for more. Now he he left Michigan, and he's uh, went on and has signed with the New York Giants. And this year he'll be going to the Giants camp and participating in, in activities for the New York Giants. Have you given him any advice? As far as uh, going into the NFL, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little different now. But um, but the big thing that I've always told both of the boys, um, you know, first first of all, I, I've always wanted to be dead and pops and, and not coach pops and coach dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I try to, you know, the one big thing I've always told them both is just to, um, you know, some of the things that I regret, and um, and one of the big ones was doing a better job taking care of my body through the, through the process. And, you know, whether it's nutrition, rest, um, 
um, making sure that you're getting the medical care that you need when you need it. And so that's that's the big thing that I, I, I stress to them. I mean, when you're when when you're 21, you feel like you you think you you're gonna you're gonna feel the same way for the next whatever years. But um, <laughs> as, they, as they say, Father Time is undefeated. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, well, Chris, I mean, I, I'm sure as a, as a former player that played at an incredibly high level, and now as a dad to two high level athletes uh, in their own right. I mean, football is football, but the game has certainly changed, and you know the process to play the game has changed. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms of how the game has evolved, not only as a as a player, but then watching your your children as a dad? I mean, uh, them worrying about social media and pressures off the field. I mean, that's that's a whole different ball of wax, I would assume. You hit the nail nail on the head. Um, I mean, starting from. From high school on, I mean, just the social media aspect of it, and right, and um, I mean, at, at an early age, you're asking young teens to to deal with some of the issues that grown men struggle with mm-hmm. as far as social media and and um, living up to expectations, and and so I, I, you know, I just think about me growing up and. And I didn't get really recruited until, like, you know, I started getting letters maybe late my junior year and started getting, you know, really um, hit the recruiting road uh, my senior year. Mm-hmm. So uh, now, um, I mean, there's a, the mental health aspect of it. Um, so there, there, I think the, that's probably one of the biggest differences, um, just your – your, your whole mental health, physical health, um, but also um, uh, on the professional level, right? Things have changed in in, in regards to you know all season workout. I mean, it's it's year round. Whereas um, I think we 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 just started doing like some formal off season workout stuff probably when Billy came to us, um, but but. Um, you, you kind of sh- not shut it down, but it was up to you to do what you needed to do. Where, sure, yeah. You know, it's a little more organized now, and which is, you know, which is a lot different. So, but just in general, man, it's um, you know, I, I just try to be there with the boys and um, encourage them and um, mm-hmm. be there for them. You know, one last thing on on just being a dad. I mean. Someone like yourself back in the day, you're a you're a high profile person. You know, you're a, you're a person of interest, considering what you do for a living and, and who you play for. Same thing with your boys. People like you guys, you've got a lot to lose, and you know the the pressures of social media. As a dad, how did you did you try to police that? What was your policy on uh, the exposure that your your children got through athletics and, and social media, and how that could be a little bit of a a dangerous thing, a little bit of a slippery slope. Well, um, one thing is when you, when you have a wife who was a former prosecutor, <laughs> <laughs> my wife Maya, and um, and she did a phenomenal job in just um, doing the best she could in, as far as policing it. I mean, mm-hmm. figuratively, and uh, I mean, yeah, figuratively, right? Yeah. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, she she did a phenomenal job with that as as much as she could, but um, it's still it's still like you say it can can be a slippery slope and um, and at this point um, 
you know, you, you hear about some of these kids and, and it's, it's, it's too much for them. I mean, yeah. when, when, when a, a 15, 16 year old is told that he's going to be the next, you know, whomever, mm-hmm. and um, he's got to live up to that. And, and what, what happens when he doesn't live up to that? And in a lot of, in a lot of cases that's, but like I said, my wife did a phenomenal job. Um, our, our two boys, um, Miles, who's a rising junior at Stanford, offensive tackle, and Christopher, defensive tackle, who just uh, signed by the Giants. Um, very proud of both of those boys, young men who, who, who couldn't be any prouder of for, for what they've accomplished. Now, Chris, we, we talked about how things have changed since, uh, you know, from social media to uh, back then with no social media to social media now, but also the game has changed on the football field. And as you look back at during your career and look at the game now, how the game is played for an offensive lineman, what has been the biggest change that you've seen as far as the play of the offensive lineman from when you played until now? That's, that's a great question, Bill. And, and there has been a, a change. Um, uh, as an offensive lineman, I, I think I could have probably snuck in a couple more years, you know, with the <laughs> with, with, with the new rules as far as uh, practicing. And I mean, we had some physical practices, but uh, and and in long practices. Yes. Um, but um, as far as like actual play, offensive line, it, it's it's become more of a what I what I call like a horizontal sideline, a sideline. Um, you know. You, Offensive linemen aren't asked to displace defensive linemen, like like we I mean, in vertical, where we were asked to, to move a guy. Whereas um, now it's more, you know, inside outside zone, where um, offensive linemen, you know, they 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 start to play by running to the sideline and, and, <laughs> and forcing the defensive linemen to, to follow, and then at some point, um, somebody's gonna create a crease and and that's that's probably one of the biggest differences and um it's it's a a faster game um uh, i mean i look at some of the lines i mean i played with some pretty big linebackers on our team uh, johnny cooks and barry krause and cliff odom i mean these dudes were you know Dwayne bickett big linebackers Mm -hmm. i don't know if, if their game translates to today's game whereas now you've got Linebackers that are six one, two hundred and ten pounds. Right. But they, yeah. They, I mean, but they can run. I mean, you got four, four, four guys. Yes. So, I think that's one of the big differences. <clears throat> and and as an offensive lineman, um, it's it's not it's not. It, I don't think it's it's physical. I mean, it, we. I mean, we were fit. I mean, it was. It, you were asked to. As I said before, move guys. Whereas now it's you, what you do. They, they mirror what you do, and then you then you you kind of right. use their momentum to, um, to create creases. So I could I could have played twenty years now. <laughs> well, you almost did. All that to say. <laughs> well, like I said, you were with the Colts from nineteen eighty three to nineteen eighty nine, and it's 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 so awesome to talk to you because I mean, anytime you can talk to a you know a seven time you know Pro Bowler guy that made All Pro and is in the Colts Ring of Honor, you have to capitalize on that opportunity. But I think Chris, there's a there's a whole generation of Colts fans that 
aren't really privy to to your work and how great you were, uh, especially when the Colts first moved to Indianapolis. So if we can, let, let's go back a little bit. And I know, obviously, you've you've thought about this and have talked about this, you know, a hundred times. But just for a different audience here with with this podcast in mind, again, selected fourth overall by the Broncos in 1983 then traded to the Colts as part of that deal for uh, for John Elway. It's been well chronicled. Take me back emotionally. What what were your emotions at that time uh, after you realized that you were being traded uh, to Indianapolis and, and going actually going to Baltimore in 1983 at that time? Well, thanks for bringing this up because, um, number one, um, you know, I've seen, like, you know, speaking of social media, you know, I've seen some things where um, you talk about, you know, the Colts Ring of Honor, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I've seen some people comment like, you know, Chris Hedden, what, what is he doing in there? Why is he – Why have he, the, the, a lot of the current fans have no – like you say, have no idea. Right. But um, – I mean, so, there's there's a whole generation that, you know, they, they picked up the Colts with Peyton Manning, and they're not really privy to all the great players that played in the, in the 80s and 90s. Right, exactly. Um, so, but – as you said, I was draft, drafted by the Broncos, and a week later, traded to the Colts. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my uh, initial reaction was, uh, you know, I was blindsided. I, I, I flew to Denver um, after I was drafted. I was there for like three or four days, and came back to school. And and three days, three or four days later, I was traded. <laughs> so. Um, I, I was shocked, blindsided, mm-hmm. but um, you know, after it all settled down, um, you know, I signed. Uh, I think in June, so it wasn't a long negotiating, and um, I was just very fortunate and blessed to, because people don't realize that I played linebacker, tight end, and I didn't play tackle, offensive line until my senior year in college, and so I went from spring my junior year. You know, nobody really knew knowing who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, to become the fourth player chosen, and so at that point, I was like, "Man, <laughs> I, you know, I got traded. I don't care. I, I'm just fortunate." But uh, it, it was a little. I mean, it, it, like I said, I was blindsided, and it was interesting because you know, I flew to Denver, and this is back in the day when you know people could actually come to the gate. <laughs> and not have a ticket, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so as, as I'm coming off the plane, I mean, there's like you know a gang of Bronco fans who were there at the gate, you know, to greet me. <laughs> and um, so I, I get traded a week later, and you know, we fly to Baltimore, and I come off the gate. I'm expecting the same thing, and so and, and you know, there's an intern who meets me and is like. Hey, how you doing? I'm um David Filer. Who <laughs> was like an who was an intern at the time. And uh like uh w- welcome to Baltimore, let's go. And I'm like, you know, where's all the fans? Yeah, where's everybody at? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all I get is an intern. <laughs> but um yeah, it was um I, I was I was a little blindsided, but um yeah. ultimately it turned out. Well, that, situation for me. if we can fast forward, you know, several, several mm-hmm. years, you know, when, when your playing career is over, I've read where, you know, you've, you've said before that, you know, you had a good career and I would say you had a fantastic career. But um, in your words, you said you're, you're always going to be known as the guy traded for John Elway. 
Do, do you still feel that? I mean, is that still part of how you think people see you? Because obviously, you know, an unbelievable career, so much accomplished, but do, do you still sort of have that in the back of your mind in terms of how people think about you when, when Chris Hinton's name is first brought up? Um, yeah, yeah, to a degree, because, I mean, if you, I, I mean, if, if you look up my name or, I mean, it's always that connection with, with the trade right. and, um, but you know, no, no one, nobody mentions that. I'm basically the only player that that have, that has made the Pro Bowl or All Pro at four different positions. Right. Yes. I mean, does that does that does that peeve you off? I mean, does that make you mad? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the older I get, you know, I'm right. I'm now the get off my lawn guy. <laughs> <laughs> so so is Bill. So I'm the same way, Chris. <laughs> You're right. So now it's like, give me my respect. God, get off my line. <laughs> but, but but yeah, it, it it does. As you get older and and and, and you, you you start thinking about your legacy and 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 so feel like you've been shorted. That's why we're. That's what we're here to do today is to give you your due. I mean, I'm I'm sure you don't need us for that, but um, you know, guys like Bill, guys that you played with, uh, the the great ones of that era, certainly have a lot of respect, and they know exactly you know how good you were. Well, thank you. Uh, um, of course, Chris. And, and Chris, you no, know, we talk about how well you played and you, you chronicled it. You just told us that, that you've made the Pro Bowl at a number of different positions on the offensive line. You actually played four of the five offensive line positions uh, on the offensive line. How difficult was that to move from a left guard to a left tackle, <laughs> a right guard, a right tackle, and do that throughout your, your professional career? Um, how difficult was that? And also – which position do you think was your best position of the yeah. of the four on the offensive line? Yeah, yeah you know, it was um, – I mean, it kind of went back to when I was in college um, at Northwestern. I started out as a linebacker, went to tight end, went back to linebacker, went back to tight end, then ultimately the offensive line. Um, so I was, like, used to, like, changing positions. And and I felt like I was I was a team player. And and, and so it, it wasn't that difficult. Um, changing positions, but um, and I always felt um, more comfortable playing playing guard. I mean, guard was my position. I mean, by by far, um, you know, it was more. You know, you play as they say more in a, a phone booth. I, I was a physical guy. Um, sometimes my physicality got me in in, in trouble as a tackle. You got to be more patient. Okay. And um and sometimes I, I wasn't the the most patient, you know. And so, um and 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 that's uh, that's why when people were talking last year about Quentin Nelson, I'm like, you know, moving him to tackle, I was like, Oh, I've heard that story before. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I've I've i read that book before and so I, I came out and I was like, Man, I hope he doesn't do it because I know it it helps the team but yeah, way no. way easier said than done for people like me. <laughs> yeah, I said, and I was thinking, like, twenty five years later, man, it's like, you know, you're 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 a generational kind of guy at, at guard, and um, I mean, although I know I know that he could he could play tackle in his sleep, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's, he's he's a guard. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now you you talked about sometimes playing tackle you got in trouble with by being over aggressive was there any defensive end or defensive tackle that gave you more 
trouble than any other defensive tackle in the National Football League during your playing career? You know, the guys that were, you know, the quick guys, the, the, the and, and not so much the, the physical guys, because that played more into to, to my strengths. And, you know, like going against a Reggie White, um, who I matched up better against him versus, say, a Charles Haley. Okay. Was, you know, um, and, and Bruce Smith and I, we, we had our, you know, <laughs> you know, you, our battles, um, go out to, to Buffalo and with the crowd noise and everything. And, and then we come home and, and we get up and by 14 and, and then it was like, okay, now you, you're playing in my, in, in my, my realm of things and where it's more physical. And he, and he wasn't like the most physical guy. So, but to answer your question, um, you know, I, I think of a guy like Charles Hayden, okay. um, who, who gave me probably some, some fits. Yeah. Yeah, this is probably a question for for both of you guys, Bill, you included, because you guys played with a lot of quarterbacks in your time in Indianapolis <laughs> with the Colts. I mean, Mike Pagel, Jack Trudeau, Chris Chandler, um, you know, Hogaboom. It's almost like what the Colts are dealing with now, Bill, right, at, at quarterbacks since Andrew Luck's retirement, you know, almost like a, a different guy every year. You know, Chris, I'll start with you, and then, Bill, if you want to chime in, you can. How difficult was that on you, Chris, as a player back then, as an offensive lineman, learning the, the differences and the subtleties between uh, quarterbacks almost on a yearly basis? Yeah, as an offensive lineman, I think it's more um, first leadership. Um, and, and just having a consistency of, of a leader. And, you know, you're going from quarterback to quarterback, and, you know, this guy yells and can't back it up. This guy doesn't say anything, but he's okay. I mean, it was just – that was probably the, the, the biggest changes for me. And, and, you know, I just hated guys who held a ball. And so anybody, <laughs> who, came in and, anybody who came in and held a ball, that, that was like – that was – enough to piss us off <laughs> <laughs> i hear you <laughs> well for me it was just basically about timing that's all I was just trying to get used to the timing of the quarterback each quarterback um threw the ball differently their release point was different uh the way it came out uh some threw the ball a little softer than others or a little harder than others so mm-hmm. that was the, probably the biggest adjustment to make and that takes time it's, it's not something that can happen overnight so it takes time so that was the biggest adjustment for me right. just getting used to a quarterback that um I can get used to that's going to be there for mm-hmm. longer than two years or three years um so that that took a little time um from that standpoint and and, and going to and kind of piggyback off that question Chris what about running backs and now you you block for some running backs a lot of different running backs in the National Football League one of them Albert Bentley Eric Dickerson so you you play with some some guys that have uh has some good careers here with the Indianapolis Colts and in the National Football League. How different was it blocking for different styles of uh, running backs that we had here in Indianapolis? Yeah, that's that's a, a great point in that um, as an offensive lineman, it probably you could you could feel the difference in, in running back more so the quarterback. Um, and and to have uh, have a guy like Eric Dickerson. Um, if you're if you're blocking the backside of a play, mm-hmm. and and um, if the play is to go right and you're the left tackle, your your block is is just as important as the right tackle's block because um, you knew that Eric could, could, could take it anywhere, yes. and um, you know you couldn't take a play off. 
whereas um, you, know, you had some guys who, if it was uh, the play was called to the eight hole, they were going to the eight hole regardless. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have that vision. You knew you, you knew you could take the play off, but uh, but with Eric, um, and I mean, people always say, "Oh, he was he was such I mean, graceful runner." I just love watching, you know. That high, but people don't realize how physical of a runner he was, and um, as an offensive lineman, and you know, to, to have a guy who, who who's willing to do both, who who, who has ability and, and 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 the willingness to do both was was, was awesome. Yeah, that that is great. Now you've uh, we talked about running backs, and I want to go to the other offensive linemen you play. You play with some guys like Ron Salt and uh, Ray Donaldson, some. Some guys have been here for a while and, and played uh, some good football. How was it playing with those guys on the offensive line uh, as your other brethren on the offensive line? Well, you know, starting out as guard and, and playing next to Ray was um, – I couldn't, ask, couldn't have asked for a, a better situation for an incoming um, offensive lineman. Um, so that kind of got me going. And, and eventually, um, you know, Randy Dixon, um, he was my left guard. And um, yes. Ben Utt. Yes. <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah, it's funny because Ben Utt, for I think about seven seasons, he thought he was going to get cut. Every, and, every uh, year. <laughs> every year he yes. thought he was going to get cut. And for some reason, the person that they brought in to replace him you know, gets hurt or can't pick up the playbook. And, and it was our running joke that he had a, a voodoo dial <laughs> of, of whoever came in to replace him, and he did things that. But um, you know, as an offensive line on any team, typically the, the closest group, and um, yes, and, and and you know, I can I can go on and on naming guys, and, and it was it was always a good experience, and we were always a tight knit group. Uh, you know, Kevin Call, Ron, so you know, then uh. Randy, who who um, who was probably one of the the more underrated um, offensive linemen, you know, you know, in Colts history, one one of. I mean, he, he did a phenomenal job. Right. Yes. Well, Chris, again, I want to set the the stage again. All pro season uh, in 1987, three time uh, second team All Pro player. You were part of, a part of six Pro Bowls in Indianapolis. Again, you're in the Ring of Honor. But if you can, can you take me back a little bit to to 1983? Uh, you make the Pro Bowl uh, your rookie season in Baltimore, and then the team moves the following off season in March. Do do you remember, you know how how you found out? Just what your feelings were, you know, moving a city. You know, like you said, you, you get drafted by Denver, then Baltimore to Indianapolis, three cities in like a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> how, how did you feel about that? Yeah, I just uh, like a quick snapshot. You know, drafted April, traded. Two weeks later, um, moved to Baltimore, buy a place. Oh, no, oh, no, no. Oh, dude. Buy, oh. buy a townhouse, close on it in August, team moves the next spring. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when interest rates are like 14%. <laughs> Nightmare. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I heard a friend of mine who was actually working for the Chicago Tribune um, saw it over the wire. Team, you know, the Colts moving. Mm-hmm. That's how I heard about it. <laughs> you know, 
So no, and, uh, nobody from the team called you or gave you a heads up or anything? No. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> no. I, I found out about it, you know. I mean, because at the time, there, there were, I guess, about three cities that yeah. it could happen if it was going to happen. And so we were, you know, some, some of the guys, we were like, hey, I hope it's this city or I think um, Arizona might have been mm-hmm. one of the states that, that was a possibility. But it, but it was um, – we, we, we had no clue. Um, and uh, – but just – at, at the time, playing that that year, playing in Baltimore, it was it was an awesome experience playing in Old Memorial Stadium. Memories I'll I'll never forget. Uh, but I mean, there were some games where there were like nobody there. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it was. I, I guess something had to be done. Yeah. Um, I, I know. Um, I thought we were in Pittsburgh when we played the Steelers that year. There yeah. were the stadium was full of, but um, arriving in Indianapolis, it was it was refreshing. It was um, you know three hours from two and a half hours from from home, Chicago, and so it was it was great that a lot of my relatives and right. family could come come to games on a regular basis. It's you know to a degree though. I mean, yeah, it was nice to be close, but sometimes... Sometimes it's too close. Yeah, sometimes well, Seattle sounded really good. Oh, come on, Chris. That that first year in Indianapolis, or those first couple of years in the, the then Hoosier Dome, uh, what was it like to play, first of all, inside in a dome on AstroTurf? I'm not sure if you had, you had played um, on that, that synthetic surface before, but... What did you make of, of football in Indiana at the time? What were the fans like? What was it like to be at those early Colts games at the Hoosier Dome in downtown Indianapolis? Actually, it was, um, like I said, it was a breath of, of fresh air um, coming from Old Memorial Stadium to, to the Dome. It was exciting. Um, the, the turf was horrible. but um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, once I saw him roll that stuff out onto the concrete um, floor, I was like, oh, "This is this is does not look good." But um, but the fans were were, were awesome, um, and I, I just hate that we, we couldn't have um, produced a better product because to, to equal um, the support and what the fans were. I mean, because they were. I mean, it was it was new and and. Um, but it, it, it was it was it was a good transition. I, I enjoyed um, my time in Indianapolis. Was there any favorite moment that you can uh, let us know about your time here in Indianapolis while you played? Yeah, you know, pe- people ask me that, and I mean, immediately I, I think of the Halloween game. Yeah, um, yeah. When we played the Broncos, uh, you know, the team that that used me as trade bait. But, um, <laughs> so it was, no, seriously, it was little, exactly. It was. It was a little, you know. It's funny because um, I remember seeing a a piece, uh, a piece on on the trade and and Dan Reeves who who called me, who was the coach of the Broncos at the time, who and called me right after the trade and was apologetic and you know we 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 drafted you to you know to be a Bronco and you know just the opportunity came. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get it, coach. I appreciate it. <laughs> and then then I see him on the show. Said, yeah, we knew. The, 
we knew the coach really liked Hinton, and so we we drafted him as a, as, as a potential trade. I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, th- that game was uh, – I, I, I've never experienced a game like that you know, where everything we did worked. Um <laughs> And um, it was and, and, and against the team and just Halloween night and our, our first Monday night game. And so all of that, you put all that together and just made it a, 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 I mean, such a memorable game and experience in, in Indianapolis that, you know, every time we, we, we get together with some, some, some former coats, um, um, that Monday night game comes up in conversations, and I, I think now we're up to like 200 points. I mean, always <laughs> every time we're together, we we add another touchdown. I think I scored three touchdowns. <laughs> hey, Chris, I, I want to go and, and ask you about uh, a gentleman that does our color for our radio, works with Matt Taylor. Uh, on our radio broadcast uh, during the games, uh, Rick Ventura, you had him as a coach at Northwestern, and you also have had him as a coach here with the Indianapolis Colts. Can you tell us something about Rick or give us a little bit about Rick, his coaching style, how he was as a coach, especially at Northwestern? We kind of know a little bit about him as a coach here with the Colts, but what he means to you and how special was he to you? Yeah, I, I couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> <And> me neither. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so after my sophomore year at Northwestern, uh, he gets fired, and I, I think that's that's it. I'm done with, with Rick. No, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, he um, he, he always believed in me, uh, and, and this was back when um, you know coaches would actually go uh, go to a player's house and and, and sign the player, <laughs> and um, so. <laughs> He came to the south side of Chicago on a at the time with March, whatever it was February, I believe. Um, it was I remember it was snow, but anyway, he comes to our house and 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 I actually signed my letter of intent. And so we we go way back to when I was sixteen, seventeen years old. I'm, I'm known Rick, and mm-hmm. uh, he's always uh, been professional gentleman. Um, and every time when I'm in it in Indianapolis for a game or something, I, I always try to make sure I get a chance to say hello to him. Yeah. He, he's a good man, a great knowledge of the game, and he's a good man, does a great job on the broadcast, and uh, we think a lot of Rick, so uh, we kind of echo those uh, yeah. sentiments as, as well, Chris. No doubt about it. Hey, yeah. Chris, you, you talk about coming back for games. Um, I, I'm assuming you've been back for a handful of those those Ring of Honor games, you know, for guys like Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and Reggie Wayne, Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney. What – What's it like for you coming back to Indianapolis for those ceremonies as a guy that's wearing that? Uh, I mean, both of you guys, Bill and and Chris, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what's what's it like for you standing on the field shaking those hands as a guy that's wearing that blue jacket? Yeah, to your point earlier that um, there's a generation of, of Colts fans that that don't know a whole lot about myself and Billy, and so it's it's neat that. And, and and I honor the fact that Billy and I were able to represent, right? You know, an era of of, of Colts football, and so I, you know, I I don't take it lightly, and I, it, it's it's neat to connect 
have that that connection with the with the, with the Peyton Manning um, the Super Bowl era mm-hmm. and, and and in our time the, the when we came to Indianapolis. So. Well, I got to ask you what what was it like playing with Bill Brooks? I mean, what kind of diva was he? I mean, how 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 big of a pain was Bill Brooks back in the day? Chris, Chris, remember remember that no disclosure clause we have. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> funny story about Bill. Uh, I, I think it was his rookie year, and then we started out horribly. I mean, we we were like, oh, whatever. At uh, oh, and thirteen. Oh, at 13, and probably about at the, the ninth game, the 0 and 9 game. And Billy just, yeah, he just, I, I've never experienced this before. He was in tears. And I, I went to Northwestern. I was 4 and 40 in my four years. So <laughs> I, I, I've had some experience dealing with, with grief and, and, and loss and as far as football. And so Billy's like, because I'm 75, um, number 75, and so number 80. Uh, lockers are, are numerically and, right. and so mm-hmm. Bill's near me and he's he's balling <laughs> and, uh, so uh, you know I had to like explain to him man hey suck it up man this is, this is <laughs> we're, we're, we're not a very good football team <laughs> but um, I, I just remember just I mean Bill was always a competitor yeah. and and and, and and those tears that he had were tears of frustration and 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 wanting to compete and wanting to win and um, that's the type of teammate and, and 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 again you know people current fans uh, don't know and, and and can appreciate what what Billy was as, as a teammate mm-hmm. and, and as a football player. I mean, he won a bunch of games for us. <laughs> I mean, it's a phenomenal player. Well, Chris, I, I appreciate that, and uh, you were like my big brother to me. Um, you took care of me, watched out for me, and, and kept me in line when I stepped out of line, and uh, gave me a lot of good, good uh, advice uh, in my rookie year and a couple years after that. So I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. And you know, I went by the whole, you know, don't don't do as I do. do as I <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was well, Chris, it's it's so awesome for me personally to uh, to meet you or talk to you for the first time, uh, at least over the phone. It's been awesome, you know, getting to know you a little bit, you know, with your career with the Colts and a whole different uh, age group of Colts fans get to understand, you know, who you were and who you are and, and how great you were as a player. So thanks so much for the time and uh, continued success and good luck to your boys with football, well, with whatever comes up their way. Thanks, Matt and Bill. Appreciate it, and um, look forward to, to getting up to Indianapolis and um, rooting on the Colts and and having a great 2022 season. Absolutely, yeah. Let us know when you're in town. Definitely. Thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. All right, be good, guys.